Turnbull, thanks for joining me, mate. It's a pleasure to have you on. Do you want to introduce yourself to the uh, listeners, mate? Hiya, my name's Turnbull, and I'm the lead guitar player and songwriter in Skylights. Skylights are obviously doing big things at the moment. I've just got into you myself and seen, you know, the massive following you have on Twitter and the great things that you're doing at the moment. You know, big respects and kudos to yourselves. But obviously, I like to go back to the start with my guests in terms of where your love for music sort of stemmed from and, you know, you sort of finding your way as a musician. Can you talk to us a bit about that and how you found your way as a guitarist and experimented over the years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it started off really when I, when I was at secondary school. Yeah. Maybe year seven or eight. And I used to see my mates playing guitar in like bands and stuff, you know, like battle bands and stuff and playing guitars in assembly and stuff like that. And obviously all girls were like, wow, you know, he's cool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I was like, I really, I really need to do something here. So I had a go at singing and I wasn't great at singing. So I, I tried playing guitar, I sort of picked it up, put it down a little bit. And then when I got to like 15, I thought, right, come on. Let, let's do this. So I bought a guitar. It was only 20 quid. I bought it off a friend of mine. And I used to play it every day, hours and hours. And I happened to bring it on holiday to France. And I didn't know, but my uncle was a really, really good guitar player who, who played in like a duo with one of his mates and the toured all over the place. And he basically taught me only, only in the space of a week but he just taught me a few little tricks and stuff like that. And I've never really forgot that. And I do all my chord shapes like he talk, told me. And I just spent hours and hours just uh, getting the chord patterns and stuff like that. And then I've never really been into doing covers at all. So I started an originals band when I was 17 with my mate Simon called R505. And then we, we just kind of gone from there, really. Sound, you know, it's uh, really interesting for myself as well because obviously I've, I've never played the guitar. You mentioned there about finding chords and rhythms and stuff. Could you talk about a bit about, you know, playing the guitar and the sort of things that you need to learn from to do that for any like, aspiring musicians before we get onto the band itself? Yeah, absolutely. Could talk about it all day. <laughs> it's just like I never forget sort of picking it up. And thinking, how how am I ever going to play this? Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. this is just, it's like, how are my fingers going to go there? Do you know? And it just took so much determination. And in the end, right, when I got told, like, the chord patterns to, to do, like, by my uncle, I didn't even strum it. I just literally pressed down the chords and just practiced changing them. We're not making any noise uh, because I couldn't do both. So I just I just practiced doing the chords, just hours and hours, not making any noise, just changing the chords and, and doing that, really. And then when I got sort of to a certain level after a few months, I then started, like, picking along, like, Ray, uh, not Radiohead, uh, R.E.M., Everybody Hurts is a really easy, yeah. easy riff to get started on. And I'd play, like, The Drugs Don't Work by Verve. Uh and just, just starting off like that, really. And then just gradually, I think the best thing you could ever do is just start jamming with your mates. And, like, my first band, my pal was better than me on guitar, so I started playing bass. So I spent most of my 
uh, late teens, early 20s playing bass. Uh, so that was quite fun. Were you ever one of these that got their guitar out at a drunken house party and jammed for everyone on the set or something like that? <laughs> Never, ever have I done that. I think I might have done it once. I remember one party, I literally pulled it out. I played, uh, <laughs> it was quite funny, really. I started uh, playing a Ronan Keaton riff just to make people laugh. Interesting. And, uh, and it, did, it did that, and then I put it down. So it's the only time I've ever really played it at a party, just, just for a couple of minutes, just a bit fun. I've never been one to, to do that. You know, I've never... Never been one for that. Do you find the creativeness in your music comes out in moments of solitude or when 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 you're together as a band rather than you know necessarily playing for other people? Not necessarily not playing for an audience because I know that that's what a band does. Obviously, you play for an audience, but you sort of judge what sounds good first yourself before putting it out there. I would I would imagine. Yeah, we're really lucky uh, because, like, if I come up with something that's quite heavy, I'll always get Skaz, the uh, singer, to do the lyrics, uh, like with YRA, Enemies and, and Rebellion. He's really good at melodies and lyrics for the Rocky songs. And I, and I do, like, the Nothing Left to Say is driving me away. And like uh, the chorus in Darkness Falls, so it's a really good balance. Like Skaz does the the uh, more rocky stuff, and I do the more like heartfelt kind of stuff, and it really really works. Finding that balance as a, a musicians must re really help because once you've got that balance, then the creativity almost flows. I would imagine. Yeah, we don't really see ourselves as musicians. We literally just sort of. We've always just chucked it all together and just thought for the best. <laughs> I think people respect that more because they respect the org organicness and it, it's not filtered, it, it's raw and it's got energy, which I certainly, you know, see from listening to your tunes. Can you talk a bit about the formation of the band and how you first came about? Yeah, absolutely. So like I say, I, I'd been playing bass for quite a few years. Uh, and then the band uh, had booted me out. And so I was literally trying to find something to do with my time. And believe it or not, like, uh, me and Skaz, who have been friends forever, we started, like, lifting weights and stuff, and I'm, and I'm weak as anything, so I was no good at that. And then Skaz's brother, Johnny, our bass player, came round and just said, this was in 2008, and was like, do you fancy starting a band? And, you know, it's, you'd never expect Johnny to do that. So I was like, yeah, why not? I said, well, I'll, I'll play guitar because I've never played guitar in a band before. And you have got bass. And I, I, I always sit down and write a few songs. So I had a couple of songs up my sleeve. Driving Me Away was one of them, actually. Uh, one, of, one of our songs that we still play now. And so we just jammed a little bit, me and him. And I got my mate Tom on the drums, whose dad, Tom, Tom wasn't a drummer. But his dad was a drum teacher. He, he taught, like, Alan Leach from Shed 7. And so uh, we got Revo in, who just just basic because he had a kit. So us three were practising without a singer. And we, we needed a singer. 
And uh, we tried out one guy and it just it didn't it didn't work out. It just he was too good to be honest because we were so bad. Funnily enough, he actually uh, he actually doing Darkness Falls because we'd, we'd written that song back then. If you think how long ago that is, uh, and then we were kind of stuck. And I'm like, right, let's get your brother in, Saint Johnny. Let's get Skaz in because Skaz had sung uh, at Battle of Bands for his school when he was like 14 and he was like, no, I'm not a singer. I'm not a singer. I'm like, listen, we'll, we'll pay for your practices. We'll buy you some beers. Just yeah. come and have a go. And he was like, I'm not a singer. I said, well, don't mind. Just come down and just have a go. So he came down and, you know, he had a bit of a go and I knew a local promoter and I booked a show for like two or three weeks time. It was really short notice. I'm like, listen, Skaz, I don't want to panic you but we're going to do a gig in three weeks. Said, <laughs> the thing about it is, and this is this is what I find, and I've, I've seen it so often, you get a band together and it doesn't go anywhere because you've got no goal. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So we just sat on for like a couple of weeks' time and Skaz is like, okay, I'll do it. And so we got him really drunk and we went on. We were terrible, but it was a start. Do you know what I mean? We, we got yeah. it started. And then Tom... Our drummer said, basically, I'm, I'm not a drummer, so you need to get someone else. And thankfully, I bumped into my old friend, Miles, who I'd played in a band with previously, and he joined to complete the lineup. Oh, brilliant. And I think you said, like you said there, it's important just to get on that stage and, you know, that's where you really learn whether things have come together. You probably did the lead singer uh, a real favour because like you say sometimes you can get stuck in your own head in any form of life can't you and you know think oh I'm yeah. too scared to do it when in reality it's just about getting stuck in exactly and it's like we've always sort of done it we've always been like this we've always just been like right let's just do it do we enjoy practicing no do we enjoy playing yeah so let's practice less and play more do you know what I mean that's just always been our attitude yeah, for sure. And that resilience is, is certainly paying off as a band now. Obviously, you've naturally, everyone has setbacks in life. Can you talk about the importance of a band staying the course? You said you've been together since 2008, so it's probably been easier over that time period to get disheartened at times, but stay the course and, you know, really pull together and keep going. Uh, how has that come about, would you say? And that yeah, mean? we've had we've had a lot of ups and downs. You know, what I mean, plenty of downs, but we're kind of lucky because, like I say, Skaz and Johnny, the singer and bass player, have been pals with me since we've been like eleven years old. We've known each other forever, and there's not an ego between them. Do you know what I mean? There's no ego at all, and we very, very rarely have disagreements or, or anything. Do you know? It's, it's like uh, it's just very very rare we have a fallout and Miles the drummer is a very very quiet chap uh, if we if we have a disagreement it's never an argument but if, if I disagree with Johnny or Skaz we always go to Miles and he, he gets the final say so that's that's been good and I mean we did uh, we did disbanding in about 2012 I believe just because we weren't selling any tickets and the gigs were drying up. So we just knocked it on the head. I got fed up with it all. I sold all my gear 
just packed in really because we'd done a few shows but nothing really major and then in 2018 my wife like came home one day she was like oh, i found an old cd in my car and i put it on and you know what you were quite good i was like really do you think so and she was like yeah you were actually you were good hey, i don't remember it being that good so I was like, mm, that's interesting so then scars I mentioned it to Skaz and he's like, we need to do another gig. Let's get another gig. Just one more gig. Because we always had a good laugh. And uh, my wife's saying, yeah, he needs to do another gig. And I'm like, listen, we're not playing again. I'm fed up of it. I'm Because I sold all my guitars. I sold all my amps. And she was like, listen, I'll hire it for you. I'll get you a venue. Let's just do it. So I was like, all right, okay, we'll do one gig. And <laughs> so I booked the venue with my friend Tim place called Fibbers in York and unbeknown to me it had moved and it used to be a 200 capacity venue which would have been fine uh if we if we got like 50 60 people it wouldn't look so bad but it was now a 700 capacity venue oh man it was like and I found this out after I'd like laid the deposit down and so I went into total panic mode like anxiety levels boom high I'm like, I can't just play to my mum and dad and my wife. <laughs> you know, it'll be ridiculous. So I just went on social media and started just smashing uh, the songs about. And, you know, thank thankfully, it went down really well. And so we sold about 250 tickets. And to top it off, the actual venue uh, had a leak and they had to move it down the road to a 300 cap venue. And we ended, selling, we ended up selling it out, so... It was that good a first gig back. We <laughs> carried on. Big shout out to your wife then, I suppose, for giving you that, you know, kick up the arse to get back out there and do it. Without her, would this band be where it is today? That That's one thing you could say. Oh, yeah, she's not happy about it now, though. <laughs> oh, fair enough. At least it gets you out of the house, and, you know, and definitely on the road, and that's one of the uh, next questions. I've seen recently you played at the legendary... King's Tuts venue, how was that for you? Um, you know, a historical venue, lots of great bands have played there over the years, most notably Oasis. How was that for you guys, you know? Yeah, you've got to laugh, really, because, uh, I mean, in 20, 2018, right, we couldn't have dreamed of opening that place up, do you know what I mean? We couldn't, have, we couldn't have dreamed of ever getting a gig there. Never, never in a million years would we thought we'd be playing there. And so to actually go sell it out and headline it, it's just, you know, it's beyond any of our expectations. So, you know, it was a very special night. It was great to get the photos with the King Tuts and all. You know, it was, it was real special. I saw that you got a commemorative bottle of whiskey, is it? I, I read that from, an, from another article the other day. Yeah, well, I always heard the rumour that if you sell King Tuts out, you get a bottle of whiskey, a special bottle of whiskey with the King Tuts on it. So I searched it on the internet, and I actually saw that the singer, Gabrielle, uh, holding one of these bottles of whiskey up after selling it out. So first thing I said when I got there was, do we get a bottle of whiskey? And they were like, yeah, you do. And uh, funnily enough, our manager had totally messed up the rider. So we had a bottle of vodka as well, so we didn't have any beers or anything. So oh, it, was, uh, it was a heavy night. Much deserved, and a lot of this success is, you know, earned by the fact that I've also seen that you interact with your fans 
quite heavily on social media. You've got a very long following and people do respect the fact that you interact with your fans and, you know, reply to messages, which I've seen that you've spoken about previously as well. Can you talk about the importance of having uh, a loyal fan base that you do? Because a lot of my mates are massively into you as well. And I'm just in the embryonic stages of discovering your sound, but really enjoying what you're doing. How important is that, you know, loyal fan base? Well, the thing with me, and really probably I've always been, me and the singer, definitely, we've always been like people, persons. Do you know what I mean? And we've always like like meeting new people and chatting and stuff. And, you know, I don't see why a band wouldn't reply to somebody. Do you know what I mean? I see all these bands and all that that like don't follow anyone and just get followers and don't reply to stuff. And it's like, I don't get it. I just don't understand it. If someone's got time for us, then we've got time for them. And I'll always do my best to reply to everybody because, like, what what is a band without support? A band is, is nothing without support. And we've had years and years of playing to nobody. And so, like, the most important part of any band is, is the fans. So they come first with everything. Is there any hidden talents that these fans that you have might not know about that you could tell us a bit of something different on the podcast so we, we don't ask similar questions from other interviews. Do you have anything like superstitions or hidden talents that anyone might be interested in? Do we have any? Oh, crikey. I can't, I can't think of any right now. Superstitions. Mm. We always have a few beers before we go on. We oh, always, man. when we go to Aberdeen, we always go to our mate Westy's bar. We've done it every time. He's got a bar in his garden. So I guess that's the superstition for playing in Aberdeen. We always go to his. He's got a dartboard at pool table. We always have a few beers before there. So uh, I guess I guess that's about as uh, superstitious as we get, I think. How was it as well being the massive football fans that you are playing on Soccer Emma a couple of years back? Oh, yeah. Honestly, that was... That's definitely one of the highlights, you know, if not the main highlight, because I, I grew up watching Soccer AM a lot. And we've always kind of just been chancing it and getting by in, in, in the band. And I've always kind of said, what makes you a proper band? Do you know what I mean? What What is the point where you go from, like, just a local band, like, messing about, to a proper band? What is that point? Do yeah. you know... And I guess, like, at the time, I'm trying to think when it was. We'd never done, like, a massive show. We'd only done, like, 200-cap venues and, and things like that, 300-cap venues. So we were still really a local band as such. And then to play live on the TV, that was, like, a turning point for me. And, like, when, when, when I picked up the guitar for the first time, I always wanted, you know, just to, people to sort of, respect what you do, do you know what I mean? Because everyone's like, oh, he turns playing guitar, he's never going to be able to learn that, you know, and have a good laugh about it. And then it's like, right, I'm going to play live on TV here. This this is like an opportunity for me to to be respected for sort of yeah. my craft. Do you know what I mean? And and so that was that was huge that was huge for us. It was absolutely massive for us. And it was uh it was such a good time as well, kicking ball uh yeah uh you know top bins and all that did stuff. Did you score? No. Oh, not good enough for that. <laughs> well, I did a lot better than the other lads, I tell you. 
Johnny, oh. uh, our bass player, took a massive tumble. Sadly, it was <laughs> off camera. He went flying. But they fancy themselves as footballers, the Johnny and Scouts. And when they were doing the volleys, it was appalling. I was the only one that hit the target. So uh, that. You mentioned there about like uh, earning respect from people, Pat, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, have you got any family members who perhaps picked up an instrument or any friends who perhaps picked up an instrument as a result of your success or anyone that's told you that, perhaps a fan or whatever? Uh, funnily enough, like a cover band has started covering enemies, which is like pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty touching. Do you know what I mean? I'll have, to, I'll have to go and see them, actually. So there's a band that covers one of our songs, which is, which is pretty good. Uh, my little niece, she's a uh, proper into us. She's only like eight, and she's always saying, "Oh, uh, been watching us on YouTube and stuff." So just little things like that. It's always a nice little touch. You know what I mean? For sure. And you've got a new single out at the moment, "Rebellion." Can you tell any people who might not have listened to it at the moment to what can they expect from it? Any new experimentations with that song or whatever? Yeah, it's pretty punky, really. Uh, our singer, Skaz, always loves a bit of punk. Uh, and I just start playing the opening riff just in my bedroom, and I'm like, wow, I like this. So we just turned it into a three-minute, you know, fast-paced, you know, punk banger, in my opinion. Yeah, I love it. I love what Skaz has done with his vocals and that. And, really, and the drums are great. It's, I really really like it. I really like it. I've, I've seen that you, it even hit free in the alternative charts the other day, which was great. That must give you confidence as a band that people are into what you're doing and all. It does, but uh, I would have liked number one. <laughs> yeah, that's striving for excellence, mate. Love that. Yeah, I want more. I want more. Because it's like alternative chat. I mean, people are like, ah, it's only alternative chat and all that. But you've got no, being an independent band, you've got absolutely no chance of making like the main charts. So to, to do an alternative, it, it's great. I mean, it also adds a little bit of extra like prestige when when you think that we're beaten by Lewis Capaldi and like Tom Grennan. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. And a final funny question to end on uh, I've also seen as well like you I'm a big football fan and I saw that one of the band members even ran on the pitch to celebrate with Luciano Becchio a few years ago like pretty much like what Joey Barton did uh, with, with appearing in Morris's music video do you have any ambitions to get Luciano on a music video in the future? <laughs> well you know now you mention it why not I mean we uh, we had Josh Warrington in one of our videos for about four seconds. Oh, uh, and uh, we're, I speak to Stuart Dallas and Liam Cooper now and again. Oh, and Gitano Brady as well. I'd love to have him. So any of, their, any, any of the people that get supporters like they do, always welcome. What is that like as a, you know, as a massive Leeds fan to, you know, have contact with these individuals? Yeah, it's superb. I mean... Uh, so Josh, Josh Warrington's like the, the Leeds boxer, like the first yeah, yeah. male world champion from Leeds and that. And me and me and Johnny, the bass player, we've been watching him for years. And uh, so to be mates to him now, it's, you know, it's really special. Uh, he's just a normal, real nice fella. It's not I mean? just a normal down to earth sort of lad. Uh, just the same as, 
and we were always big fans of Gitano Brady, the Leeds player. He's playing in Switzerland now. And we ended up having a few beers with him and a few nights out with him. And, you know, really? he's been to some of our shows. And it's just, they're all just really nice, normal people. And they're just, just really good. It's just been really, really good. It's been class speaking to you, Turnbull. Have you got any final parting comments before we stop the recording and speak off, off record? Just thank you, everybody, for supporting us. And uh, cheers for helping us live the dream. Cheers, pal. Speak to you in a second. Thanks for joining me, mate. Been a pleasure. Top man.